Okay, we might get a bit of background noise here. Uh, so <laughs> we, we, are, we are here going live this morning. This is uh, the second time for me going live with a guest. And so uh, it's, it's still a bit new. So if there's anything that doesn't go quite according to plan, we'll just laugh about it and, and put it down to my inexperience in going live on these things. Uh, but, uh, look, we're going we're gonna to be having a conversation about humor. As, and it's the, I've called this sort of chat funny therapy, but it's just going to be a chat. And uh, let's uh, let's play the title sequence, and then we'll get started. Welcome to Points of Change, the show where week by week I will be chatting with coaches, mentors, experts, change makers, people who have achieved or are helping other people to achieve incredible transformations in life, business, health, relationships, or any area. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and never miss an episode to find your points of change. Okay, I think we are starting just about bang on time. I am joined today for my chat by someone who I wanted to have as a guest on my podcast, but and, and probably still will, but you know, I have like over six month lead time from recording to production at the moment, and I don't want anyone to have to wait that long, let alone myself. So we decided that we would go live. She is a speaker. Uh, you could call her a motivational speaker, but she won't like it. Uh, but she's a speaker and she's a presenter. She's really funny. And we are here today to chat about using humor as a tool for managing life and for getting through some of the uh, some of the rubbish that life can throw at you sometimes. You know, they say that uh, if life throws you lem lemons, make, a, like, make lemonade or make a margarita. But what do you do if life throws you a whole load of crap? What do you make then? Well, uh, we're going to have a bit of a chat about that. Please welcome. Heidi Lochlin. Hello everyone, thank you for having me and um, I'll try to sound as less like a pirate as possible while we're talking <laughs> and put on my proper posh voice for you this morning. Oh that's right, do you, do you normally speak like a pirate? Are you a bit yeah, uh... I'm from the West Country so yeah we do, uh... we speak well like pirate farmer sort of hybrid really um, but I am able, this is my posh voice, some people might be surprised to hear, but you are, I am able to put that on from time to time when necessary. So. <laughs> it's absolutely not necessary. I, I encourage people to be themselves. And uh, accents, oh, right, then my lover, that's new problem. Accents are wonderful things. And, and uh, essentially, <laughs> I mean, my, my, I grew up with a, a Manchester accent. I mean, I only lost mine from um, from years of having lived away from the north. Uh, but if I go back and visit, or if I go, especially my, all my family are from Merseyside, uh, sort of near Liverpool, for anyone who doesn't know where that is. And uh, so everyone sounds like Scousers, of course. So when I go back and stay with my family, I, I just go back, I just fall into the accent. It's just natural. And I, I come away and I was like, you can tell when I've been with my family because uh, the accent just comes back. Or if I go to Manchester or speak to anyone from up north, I just pick up those accents so quickly. It's bizarre. Yeah. But, but I think it's something to be proud of. I mean, uh, we, we've had all these years of people sort of hiding their accents and doing their best BBC presenter voice. Um, that's just kind of where I've ended up, I think. I don't have a, a very specific accent anymore. Be proud of it. Flashed out of you, wasn't it, over the years? That's how I find, like, just being, because I moved to London and just being around people going, what, what, all the time? I'm like, daps, daps, daps. And they're like, What's the, what are you on about? I'm like, things you put on your feet, daps, daps, daps. <laughs> 
And for anyone that's know what DAP is, like... <laughs> everyone's going, what's a DAP? It's a Dunlop athletic plimsoll, which you wore when, you know, when you oh, had okay. to wear those shorts right up your ass when you were in <laughs> primary school, you had these little black DAPs. And in the West Country, they're DAPs. And they, and, and everyone else is like, what the hell is that? But to us, that's, that's totally normal. And in London, they're crepes, which to me is a pancake. So it's all very confusing. And any of those, I would be just looking bewildered, like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a clue. But then, you know, I, I'm, when it comes to clothing and fashion and brand names and that, I'm a bit clueless anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not embarrassed about that. I, I'm just not a fashion person. And, uh, and I'm clearly not up on the latest lingo. We're here today to have a chat about humor and using humor essentially to, to get through the, the not so good things that life sometimes throws at us. And sometimes that can be huge stuff and we don't always know how we're gonna get through it. And, and certainly, um, I don't know too many people who've had more stuff thrown at them in their life than, than you have and had to deal with it. So, so let's share a bit of your story, Heidi, as to what's brought you to where you are today. Sure, and I will keep it as brief as possible because I'm a massive waffler. Um, so basically, in 2015, when I was working as a police officer in the Met, I um, found out that I had inflammatory breast cancer, which is a very rare and aggressive form of cancer. It's 1% of breast cancers being inflammatory, and no one's really ever heard of it. Um, I was misdiagnosed several times by my GP as having misdiagnosed breastfeeding at the time um and basically i was pregnant as well for the third time unbeknownst to me because i'm one of those complete boneheads that manages to be pregnant without having a clue about it and uh i always used to take the mick out of people think ah, how do people not know but yeah i was one of those people so i was 10 weeks pregnant and and then diagnosed with with cancer um and you know it's not funny but um you know i'm a sort of person that's laughed my way through life really and you have to be haven't been in the police force and i can tell you many stories about the gross and weird and wonderful things that have happened there but um luckily i think that was a, a huge part of how i was able to be so resilient so i had to decline um the chemotherapy that i needed to progress with the pregnancy because the drug that i needed would have um not worked for the baby basically the baby would have been ex extremely poorly would wouldn't have survived pregnancy so it i was advised that i should consider having a, an abortion but it wasn't an option for me because i'd already bonded this was my third baby i was super excited um and so i declined treatment which is very scary um but that for me was the only thing we could do so i started having chemotherapy in, in bristol bristol and uh was pregnant and then my little girl was born at 28 weeks um her birth was always going to be early because i couldn't carry her to term because i would have died and mm. i always like to be very dramatic you know no no full-term pregnancy for me death is the alternative um so Ali, our little girl, was born in December 2015, and she was super healthy, um, but unfortunately, she caught an infection from the baby in the incubator next to her in the ne neonatal ward, and, and she died when she was eight days old, uh, about three days after that, and I then discovered my cancer was stage four and therefore incurable, 
or terminal as some people call it but it's not it's not terminal cancer i still have plenty of options left so i don't see it as that um and uh, it's fair to say the sort of the arse end fell out of our world really um i think in some sort of poetic way i'd imagine that because i'd risked my life to have her that nothing bad was going to happen and then in something completely unrelated to chemo and everything else that was going on other than the fact that you know she would have had a uh, a compromised immune system from being born so early and wasn't able to fight off this infection i felt extremely guilty and i just remember for the first time in my life feeling absolutely no control over anything whatsoever and extreme guilt um for what happened to her and that i should have carried her to term and it was extremely difficult it was a black hole really because my prognosis I was probably looking at about 12 months at that point and I had a one and a two-year-old at home a daughter that had just died and I couldn't get a grip I couldn't get a grip of myself um it was very hard I was uh 30 it just turned 33 because I was diagnosed at 32 and just turned 33 and I had not I didn't know anybody that was in the, the same position as me and not that you would want anyone to be in the same position as you but it's very isolating and I just didn't know what to do and everyone's looking at me like I'm an alien because no one can in, in remotely relate to what, what I was going through and, and you know and and obviously I have my husband and stuff there with me but his uh, his experiences are different because he's a different person you know like he's then having to deal with the loss of his daughter and potentially his wife dying within the next 12 months so yeah. it was rough and um we went through so it was all around bloody christmas because it always is and everything's right. intensified and, time, yeah. yeah and then um uh, about three weeks into this black hole of just nothingness other than drinking a load of cider which is all i did um and then throw up because of the side effects of the chemotherapy um I just felt nothing. I felt nothing really other than pain and that I had no idea where she'd gone or what was happening. Um, and because I, I, you know, I don't necessarily have any faith in any particular direction and I was searching for something, but I needed escapism and I just didn't know how to get that. And I remember my husband one day saying to me, I, I, I've got to get out. I, I need to go to the pub. This is my church. This is where I heal my hurts and all that kind of thing. And I said, you go, you do what you need to do. And I sat at home and I opened my laptop and I was looking. I don't know what I was looking for, looking for anything, anything to distract me, to take me out of my own head, to just not be me for a few minutes. And I was scrolling through films on Netflix, I think it was. And I came across Magic Mike which okay. for those who've never seen it is a it's it's a, a, a show about male strippers um and it is pretty pretty terrible but in a lot of ways it's it's wonderful because there's some very lovely young men in there Channing Tatum being the main character and I just sat there and I just was staring at the screen and nothingness and then I suddenly magic Mike Channing Tatum comes sliding out onto the stage half naked and he starts gyrating around on the stage and then um i laugh which sounds and people are going oh big deal but actually it was mm. because i started laughing and then i felt terribly guilty because my daughter had died 
and I laughed and what an awful mother I was how how I should be ashamed of myself that I have the ability to still laugh and then Magic Mike starts like helicoptering his wang around sort of thing and I laughed even more because you know it's funny and then I thought oh that's weird there is life there's life there I still have something more than just total utter shite and darkness and it was the real realization that no matter what anything else was I obviously still had my sense of humor when everything else had fallen away that was the one thing that had remained and as I went forward then from that I started watching more shows Magic Mike 2 totally not worth it um <laughs> but uh you know started watching more films and then having more conversations and I just was saying to my friends I just need to laugh I just need to be me and the more I laughed the better that I felt and it just reminded me of everything that I'd stood for up until that point which was always I'd laughed my way through all of my life you know all my school reports were like class clown must pay more attention thinks everything's too funny, loves farting, burps too much, blah, 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 all these kinds of things, like um, all through my life, reminded me that actually the main thing that I had going for me was was my sense of humour. Whether people thought I was funny or not was irrelevant. I thought I was funny and I enjoyed lots of other things that I found really funny, some really dark material that I found really funny, particularly in the police force. But it was something that really got me through. And I thought, right, think back to how that was. and how you did and all your colleagues in the police you laughed you had to because you knew if you didn't the alternative was to completely fold in on yourself yeah. and i just started to build from there yeah uh, sorry about the background here there's, there's, there's some renovations going on next door like rats. They they don't, like rats. yeah yeah they, they don't <laughs> seem to care they don't seem to care that we're recording here you know <laughs> it's like they don't know <laughs> in my little private coffee shop yeah absolutely yeah. It, it, but it is interesting i mean it, i especially find it interesting you're saying about feeling guilty about laughing because there because there was terrible things like we do have these social protocols if you like the expectations and i've had people talk about this before and um you know we all have our, our own ways of dealing with things but sometimes if if you if let's say you make a decision and i think hal hal elrod if you've ever come across him is one of the guys who talks about this he's like the miracle morning guy um talking about like when he was recovering when he was told he wasn't ever going to walk again after a car accident um that he gave himself like five minutes to feel sorry about himself and then say, you know, if I'm going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life, I'm going to be the happiest damn person you've ever seen in a wheelchair. And has sort of kept that same sort of attitude with him. But everyone else thought he, he just wasn't dealing with it or processing it or there was something wrong because it's not how you expect people to react. And, and a lot of the time we do end up sort of following an emotional path because, especially if you've had a load of crap going on in your life, you are expected to be like that. You're, you people expect you to be. Well, you, you know, look at all the look at all the stuff that's just happened to you. You should be miserable. Why? Why have you got a smile on your face? There's something wrong with you. You know, it's like that. That's how it how it goes. Are you laughing? What's wrong with you? Um, have you seen your life? <laughs> and it's like, and and yet, what we forget is that no, it, there is there is power in in laughter. There's almost almost like magic in it of um, healing in some ways. But when we can when we can laugh where there's pain it is a way of being able to 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 deal with things it's not like we're laughing at the thing the horrible things that have happened we're we're laughing at life and we're laughing at things because they're funny and because 
doesn't everyone still deserve to have joy in their lives? Because often it's, it's us who rob ourselves of those opportunities to do that in the first place and say, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be miserable now, so let's be, let's be miserable, let's fall in line with that. And that's what's really super tricky then when you've also got a ticking clock over your head, which is what effectively that I have or had. And I don't see it. I mean, I still have chemo. I have chemo every three weeks and I will for the rest of my life. Um, and obviously I've massively exceeded my prognosis because I should have died in the end of 2016. And I attribute a lot of how well I am to having a positive outlook and a positive attitude and through laughing, obviously, Let's not forget modern medicine and how bloody amazing it is. I mean, that is the key thing that's yeah. keeping me here. But laughter is a huge part of the sort of the the um, complementary therapy, I would say it is. Um, but when you've got that ticking time clock over your head, which we all have, and everyone seems to forget that all of us will die. Everyone seems to forget that. They just go, well, you've got cancer. Oh, my God. You know, it's dreadful. You're, you're going to die. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going to die, too. And. Yeah, shit, isn't it? You know, like it's yeah. going to happen. And right. when you obviously have that diagnosis, it's a little bit more tangible, this whole, you know, lifespan thing. It seems more imminent, yeah. It absolutely. But do you want to spend that entire time sad and depressed? But actually, you don't actually know when that date is going to be. Your oncologist might say, okay, we think you might have a year or two years. But what if they're wrong and you spend that whole two years feeling crap and sad? Or you get to that two years and go, oh, I just wasted two years of my life being miserable, for God's sake. I should have just got on with it and enjoyed my life like I have done up until this point. And that's the option that I've chosen because I find it so much more fun to just kind of go, well, you know, yeah, that's what they say or that's what they might think. But what if they're wrong? I'm not. I'm going to put all my chips on the fact that I'll be here till I'm 100. And then if I'm wrong about that, at least I've enjoyed that period of time. Yeah. And it's really important that people remember that. We are kind of exactly what you were saying. We punish ourselves. We tell ourselves that we should be miserable and we shouldn't um, be allowed to be happy because of all these crap things that are happening. But but what you could you you know you could get by, hit by a car, couldn't you, tomorrow? And the thing is, you know, nobody is getting out of here alive. You've got to make the best of it while you're here. Yeah. And uh, you know, nothing nothing is more obvious to me than that, especially when I've got young children that I want their memories of me to be brilliant, not oh my god, she was so sad all the time, nothing was funny, we couldn't crack jokes around her. Um actually they're just as crazy as I am the kids you know they've got a cracking sense of humor and that's super important to me yeah it's it's like it reminds me of the the adage and, and I forget I'm gonna forget who said it but uh but pain pain in life isn't optional but suffering is um because it's the, you know the suffering is what we pile on ourselves afterwards but I always think you know we do we do tend to it, it's natural I think when you've had bad news in your life to to feel sorry for yourself to, to feel upset about it you know whether it's you you've lost somebody you love or or whether it's bad news for yourself or a bad health news or some other crisis in life we have a tendency to feel sorry for ourselves but you know ultimately we mustn't stay there too long because it's yeah. just robbing our whole lives of joy you know uh, it's like a, a, nobody nobody has fun at a pity party uh, but everyone's invited right but uh, um, it's not it's not a great place to be and uh, we need to get ourselves out of that really really quickly is, is like well how do you want i often find myself saying this to my coaching clients how do you want to experience your life you you can yeah. experience it with a black cloud hanging over you all the time or mm. you can decide well like that stuff's going on but i don't have to show up in my life as this person who is who is 
in the effect of it who's just saying well I'm miserable because look at all these things in my life um, yeah. because if we say to ourselves I'm only going to be happy when uh, like when life is good when I don't have health issues when I don't have horrible things in my life if that's the only time you're going to be happy you're going to have very little very few experiences of happiness and they're going to be very fleeting if you want mm. to have a happy life I believe you have to choose to have that every day and say regardless of what's going on in my life regardless of what what could be horrible or terrible most of us have what we need most of us like as soon as from the moment we're born we're on a path towards the grave anyway uh, we could all do well to remember that you know I, i'm big into stoicism stoic philosophy is like, yeah uh, a, a big passion area has been very helpful to me in dealing with things and processing and rationalizing and seeing the world a bit more uh, with a bit of detachment and, and with a bit of uh, just just being able to see things a bit more clearly and take myself out of the equation, if you like. And and every day I try to remind myself tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Yeah. Not not because I think that I should uh, like live every day like I'm sort of you know, like tomorrow is definitely not going to happen and sort of spend it all now and uh, you know um, go and do all the crazy things that I think I, I should do before before my life here ends. It's not that. It's just like appreciate what's in your life, appreciate what's good now, what you have, because none of it is guaranteed for tomorrow. It sounds like a grim message, but but I think we absolutely have to, because if we don't face the realities of these things, um, we're going to suffer more when yeah. when things do happen, and and they will happen. We just yeah. don't know. We just don't know what and when exactly uh, until it transpires. But you know, there's always going to be, uh, no matter how good things go for a time in life, there's going to be some crappy stuff that's going to come up at some point. And and if you're not mentally prepared for that, it's going to hit you harder. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why having the the this sort of resilience in whatever form it, it comes is so super important. I mean, there definitely are times where it's not to say that, you know, when they said to me, oh, you have cancer, I was like, da 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 da, I've got cancer, it's no problem, da da da. I wasn't like that at all. Right. I was obviously, you know, gutted and really upset and I yeah. remember the nurse saying to me you know Heidi you can have this room and you can cry and you can scream and wail and I was like well what's the point in that because all that's doing is delaying you telling me how we're going to treat this and she wrote on my notes stoic in big capital letters and I didn't know what it meant <laughs> until the next nurse that came along said to me I see here that um you know we've got this written on, you know, we want to see if you're okay. I'm like, oh, so I went and Googled it, looked at what it meant. And I just thought, well, I don't see what's wrong with that. I, I've got all my friends and family at home that are here for me to cry on and whinge on. Your aim for me is to treat me and answer questions. And I don't want to waste a shitload of energy wailing and crying when I can do that at home and it's it's got a kind of the cracking on attitude that, that you yeah. need really to get get through these things I think so but you know that that highlights what what I was saying before about yeah the, about as sort of feeling uh that we have to go along with these social expectations like if you're not falling apart and crying there's something wrong with you it's like well that, because that's not that's what nearly everyone else does there's yeah. nothing wrong with you it's just like uh i i hope i would be more like you but we we never we never know how we're gonna react or respond really until we get into those situations mm -hmm. and then for for myself whilst i haven't had any sort of uh no life threat, no any major diagnosis in my life um, doesn't mean I won't ever. But I have had um, 
experiences where I've been faced with my own mortality in 12 years of flying, it was bound to happen a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And so times where I thought, you know, landing gear wouldn't come down in the plane and they're like, oh, crap, <laughs> you know, yeah. what are we going <laughs> to do now? Uh, but in, in those times where it's like, well, you know, we might not actually get through this okay. Um, then you, you I found that I was able in those in those times at least to keep myself calm. And I said, well, you know, if I'm going, my philosophy was if I'm going to go out, I'm not going out in terror. I'm not going out like ah, wailing and screaming. I'm, I'm just going to be calm and go with it because you know I, I have no control over this. I, I can't change. I can't change the outcome. Hopefully, it'll be okay. But if it's not. Um, you know, I, that's not how I want to go. Uh, and yeah. so I was able to make that able to make that decision for myself. And I also felt that it was for the benefit of everyone else on the plane that, that I stayed calm. And, uh, you know, who, who knows? Who knows how you're going to react? You know, when, when we hear the C word, um, mm. in, in, especially if it's, about, or it's about ourselves or someone who we care about, um, we it's not a word anyone wants to hear you know you, you it puts a lump in your throat it puts a you know it makes your heart jump it's uh it, not in a good way it's it's a it's a shock yeah a total shock but it's but it's something that i mean we're getting really good at talking about it a lot more now um which is great because uh one in two people will get cancer at some point in their life one in two that's crazy so isn't? you will have it, cancer in your in your life at some point not necessarily you but someone close to you and that is what's going to happen so we need to feel that we can talk about it and that it's not all doom and gloom because when I was told that I obviously thought uh-oh you know like this is it like I don't know anybody else but then once you start coming out of the woodwork, you start to get messages from people going, well, actually, I had this happen and that happened. And you realise that, you know, a lot more people have had experience of it. And actually, yes, I'm stage four. I have the, you know, most aggressive type of breast cancer. And I've been told, oh, yeah, you know, curtains and all this malarkey. I'm still here. And I am super, super healthy. No one that met me would ever know that there was anything going on with me. Um, you know, I'm really fit. I do loads of stuff. I'm jumping out of planes. I'm doing things all the time, not during lockdown, obviously adhering to the rules and blah, blah, mm, blah. Um, but, you know, like doing lo lots of lots of things. And, you know, you can live with cancer. You don't have to have it. This is huge, terrifying thing. Obviously, no one wants to get it. But if you do, it's not, necess not necessarily going to be the case that you are going to drop dead from it. And also during the treatment, you're not just necessarily going to be a shell of yourself. You can still laugh. You can still have a good time whilst throwing up or crapping yourself or whatever. You can still function on a day to day thing. You know, like I am. You know, I'm lucky my side effects are very minimal with the drugs that I'm on at the moment. I, I don't really have any other than being tired. Uh, I just use that to my advantage and just say, oh, I really need a rest and go and read my Kindle or whatever. Um, but it's um, it's very much something that runs in the distance. of uh, distance. It's not like my name is Heidi. I'm a cancer patient. It's I'm Heidi. Um, I'm, I've got a good job and I love talking to people and I've got a family and horses and I'm really fit and active and exercise loads. Oh yeah. And I have chemo and people go, Oh, oh my God. Cause they expect that to be thing that you lead with, but no, because then it's your defining thing and it's not my defining thing. Right. And, 
and humor is such a massive part of that and the more you laugh about it the more sort of manageable everything else sort of becomes and all my friends um are very similar to me with the same sense of humor and i remember we've gone out for a curry um about six months into my treatment and we've been talking about chemo and i absentmindedly ordered a chemo nun instead of a chemo nun and then it became this humongous hysterical laughing thing that everyone cracked up about chemo nuns for ages <laughs> the guy was like what i was like oh key a chemo nun you know chemo nun. and uh when we're out me and my mates were out and we're with people that we don't necessarily know and we shared obviously not during covid before we would share drinks and things and someone would go oh god don't drink out of Heidi's glass you might catch cancer and then everyone looks around that doesn't know us and goes oh you've said that and I'm like no it's really funny and we all just crack up laughing and the more that so I feel if anything were ever to happen within that my group of friends and they had news like that they'd be ready to deal with things a lot better because they know what it's like to have a very close friend to them Mm. in this this situation and they are also able to laugh about it because they yeah know what it's like. oh sorry i'm just talking my microphone uh, but yeah i mean knowing knowing that there is an option other than just falling apart is good mm. as well right because you know, very often uh, a lot of our a lot of our responses are, are kind of automated pre-programmed if you like we don't always realize it but you know i, I often find and I, I think maybe i was a bit subject to this young no i i i grew up with the uh, soap operas like Dil dynasty in dallas and and don't your age now yeah i know uh, <laughs> the original ones not the reboots so, and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, EastEnders, I suppose, as well. That started when I was a kid, and, and things like that, and Neighbours, all of those things. And um, and you get into this idea that there's all this drama, and that life is supposed to be all this drama. And uh, and it took it's taken a long time in my life to get to the point where I was realizing life isn't like that. Life isn't supposed to be like that. Yes, there are dramas here and there, but they're not all the time. And those those TV shows are all contrived dramas because we find drama entertaining to watch. We find it fascinating. And, uh, but we also sometimes end up, I think, training ourselves to sort of think, well, you know, what they're doing on the TV is how you're supposed to do it. So when the people fall apart uh, and go hysterical for, again, for dramatic effect more than anything else, we end up thinking, that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you're supposed to react when when you're faced with this sort of situation. And it's like, well, yeah. th there are options. That's what I'm saying. Is I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying there are other options, but we we just tend to run on automatic. And, and so even someone being able to see is like, well, actually, you don't have to just fall apart. And, and there are ways to deal with this, and you can get on with your life. Uh, so you can either you can either decide that you're already done and, and you know, give up. At, at, but you know, I think there there are a million over a million ways to die before you're dead. You know, it's like, and many people do. Um, yeah. They they just kind of stop living their lives and just think, you know, joy isn't for me. I, I see people sometimes do it with their work, or like life is all about work and and no time for fun or, or family or feeling guilty for even taking any time away from the work. It's like, well, that, is that living? Is is that what what is that? Wait wait till you retire if you're lucky enough to live that long and uh, yeah. uh, and then and then what? Probably die quickly because you've been so busy in your work. You've got nothing outside of that to keep you engaged or entertained. Um, afterwards, and, and we need those things. And yeah. one, it's been shown that that's one of the reasons why people are sometimes, when they retire, uh, don't last, don't always last very long. And uh, you know, um, so I'm just saying that there, there are many different ways to sort of be. You know, you said about being like a shell of yourself. I, I, 
deciding that your life is over um, when you still got time left is is one of those ways. It's like we we don't know. Even if you even if a doctor says to you, we think you've got this long, we don't know that. We don't know that. Yeah, that's right, and that's why you've just got to find whatever coping strategy it is. And for me, I mean, it's many things, and it becomes more things as time goes on. There is a plethora of reasons why I'm as healthy as I am, and why I've you know got on with things but humor was definitely the the huge turning point for me and it's something that I value really highly um you know and I know people go on a, they clap constantly about positivity and people go oh god it's the positivity brigade and all this but actually you know if you have low lower stress your immune system is better equipped to deal with side effects and of anything and that is science so yeah. it's not just me going oh yes you know positivity positivity but my version of positivity will be different to somebody else's mine is about having a laugh obviously and surrounding myself with people that I enjoy being around and actually maybe getting rid of some of the people that I don't necessarily enjoy being around um but that's not to say that you just have to be happy all the time because you don't you, you you're a human being you've got to have those moments i burst into tears at the gps the other day for very little reason really and i was like oh god i'm so sorry i don't know why i'm crying and i thought god you know i am the sort of person that you know should be able to cry whatever the hell they like and we always apologize don't we for being emotional but also but why should we because we are humans and that's how we should be mm-hmm. but it's just giving people that permission to to laugh at things and you know when our daughter died i do remember a lady contacted me who'd lost twins in neonatal and she said um it's the most isolating thing and i just wanted to reach out to you and she said and she'll say that this is not something that i tell everybody but i feel that like i can tell you when i was in um nikki my husband just constantly told me jokes all the time after when you know when our girls were slipping away because it was the only thing that distracted me and I read that and I thought it was a massive help for me not like a relief but a huge thing of giving me permission to go back to what my coping strategy is which is humor and 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 allowing myself to know that at some point I'm gonna I might find something funny and that's okay and then the magic mic thing happened and the instant thing was guilt and then like I say it passed quite quickly because then I realized that this was a sign of life for me Mm. was having that ability to laugh again yeah I've always really felt that you know whatever's going on in life being able being able to laugh at stuff really shows that you you can you can get past it it's like shining shining a light in the darkness it it says you know it's not all bleak it's not all dark there there are still things but I think we all need to know um day to day that there are still things to look forward to in life that there are still things worth worth being alive for worth sticking around for 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 as long as we can um but not, not that we should just try and make that forever. Just accept it's not going to be forever, but enjoy it. Appreciate it whilst you're here. Appreciate yeah. the people who are here whilst they're here. And if there are people in your life who you'd rather not have, not be around and you don't enjoy the company, maybe spend yeah. less time with them or cut, cut them out and spend time more time with the people who you do really want to spend time with. It shouldn't take, it shouldn't take something major happening in your life, really, to start making those sorts of changes that improve your life experience you, you know you don't have to be an asshole about it you you can just do it in ways that make sense for you and, and perhaps it is just spending a bit less time with some of the debbie downers and more time with the people who uh, who lift you lift you up a bit 
Hey, yeah. We've got Ash in the chat here. Hi, Ash. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> my, yay, my fave people. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. I think I, I think I thought I can put that on the screen. There we go. Yeah, I can. Oh, thanks, Ash. Oh, Good, good to see you. But you know, this is absolutely true. We don't, we don't have to follow a prescribed path, and we can have our lives be better now. We don't have to wait for it. You know, I know when, when I was probably at some of my lowest points in life, uh, you don't think you're going to get through it when you're in it necessarily. But then, when you do hopefully come out the other side, uh, you realize you can get through it. And, and sometimes that's all you need to know. It's like, well, most of the most of the pain came from anticipating things being worse than they were. It's like, uh, yeah. you know, when you go to the dentist or you have to have an injection, right? Most of the pain that is associated with that, because it is just a, a tiny prick. I'm not going to spend too long talking about those, but it's just a, a tiny little prick, and, and it doesn't really hurt that much. <laughs> Uh, it's very momentary, <laughs> but the real the real pain behind it is um, is the anticipation. We build it up like, oh, no, I'm scared of it, and, and you tense up, and you will make it more painful. Uh, and it's like there's things of well, we we can actually retrain ourselves to yeah. to be to be less tense about these things, to just roll with it more. And uh, you know, one of the things I learned from years of martial arts training is about rolling with things, rolling with the punches in life, and that um, not only does it put you in more of a flow but it also puts you in more of a powerful state to of a control state rather than trying to uh react and respond to everything you flow with it you you improvise more you deal with things more and, and you tend to get results quicker so it's, it's to me it's uh, it's uh, this idea of uh, not resisting what's really going on in your life it's uh, not resisting reality but saying okay this is what's really happening let's flow let's find a way to flow with that and go with it yeah absolutely and it's all it's it's a bit like sometimes when i do a talk i talk about like the the voldemort complex you know where people say, oh, we don't talk about that because then it you know we we don't want to you know uh, manifest something really negative by talking about it like the whole thing um when you if you talk if you talk too much about um, when you're in an early early pregnancy is a good one actually where people will never give the news until they've had their 12 week scan but that news will not change what will be or will not be but it's just that fear of announcing it and then almost cursing yourself with something bad happening right, so the, Vol it. the Voldemort yeah. thing yeah you're jinxing yourself but it's about flipping it around like Harry Potter my hero who says don't not say Voldemort because you're giving it power and that's why talking about absolutely everything cancer you know um and even with my kids like the language that we use death dead dying um rather than pass away or gone well it's so airy fairy where have they gone pass away what does that mean oh they went to sleep well that's a really good way of giving your kids fear about going to bed if you say someone's gone to sleep and isn't going to wake up my god it is about being crystal clear about what things are we are so open with our children um i'll tell you about we'll call it the pass away pigeon which is when we were um we were down in devon on holiday sounds like and, a religious festival but yeah i'm interested oh no 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 not quite <laughs> um we were down in devon on holiday and my kids were three and four i think at the time and there was a bless him a little pigeon well big pigeon on the side of the road very dead um we're walking along and uh one of the boys says to me mummy um because they love animals mummy that pigeon is he all right 
And I was like, looked down at it. I was like, no. Are you sure? Is he not going to wake up later? I said, well, he's got a massive tyre mark right through the middle of him. And there's, some of his insides have come out. I'm pretty sure he's dead. And I remember this old lady looking at me like I was the worst mum in the world um, because I hadn't said, oh, he's, you know, he's passed away or he's asleep or he's going to wake up later. I thought, what's the point? That is the reality. The yeah. pigeon is clearly dead. There's no two ways about it. Yes, it's sad. Um, and and I said, you know, and it is, it's sad, Noah, you know, like he's dead. And um, I'm sure he had a nice life. You know, he lives in Devon after all. And then he went, oh, yeah, it's awful. Can I have some ice cream? I was like, yeah. And this is the thing. It's just about if you have that language and you and you talk about things really openly, it makes it um, not a no-go area. So it's accessible. And I think, I don't know whether I'm raising my kids to be little mini psychopaths. I hope not by talking. Um, and them just going, oh, dead pigeon, ice cream, woohoo. But I like to think that because they're so equipped to talk about these things really openly, like they know the words cancer, they're very aware of the fact that their sister has died. That um, you know, but we we don't de definitely say what happens after you die because we don't know. But we have discussions about it even from a really young age, so that they don't have a fear. The mm. only weird thing that they will have is um, so I'm going to give you a little anecdotal story because I think you'll quite like this one. Sure. Is that um, so? Obviously, well, you do. You can't. It's not obvious actually. I only have one boob. Um, and this was this one's completely gone. I had a mastectomy um, as part of my treatment. And my boys have grown up then effectively with me having one boob. That's all they know. They've seen me in the nude, going in and out of the shower, that kind of thing. And last year or the year before, my mum took them swimming to the local leisure centre. And she's got two, obviously, two boobs. And they're in the communal changing area. Bless them. They had to sit through seeing an old lady getting nude. Bless her. And... Um, and and you're I, being psychopaths or well you know god knows what they're going to turn out to be like but um they uh, they got they were getting undressed and then my son looked at my mum and said oh nanny it's really weird oh you've got two boobs that's disgusting now it was really loud and, and the whole changing room must have heard this and my mum came back laughing her head off telling me you'll never believe what no she said in the changing room uh, and we were cracking up about it and I thought but that's because for them that is what's completely normal is that so then I had to explain well you do realize that obviously this one was I knew it should have to um, because I thought Christ when they start dating when they're older it's going to be a <laughs> harrowing experience for them you know so uh it's uh, it's just about keep keeping it real really and and then finding that i mean some people might think oh my god that's so upsetting you know and you know she's got only got one boob oh i've just got one boob big deal like they're saggy anyway who cares like i've had three children you know like i don't care it's one boob like it doesn't matter um and that, like the boys having this really skewed but I don't care because that is our reality there's no point yeah. in trying to pretend that we're some cookie cutter normal family because we're not and I don't want to be either I want my kids to have an, a really great interesting childhood you know which is about unusual things and unusual discussions so that when they're older nothing they haven't heard it before because that is that's what I want and you know that's our options at the end of the day we can try and cloak our lives and pretend that 
we're something else that we're not but this is what we are you know my kids have yeah. come to chemo with me they've seen all of it and after about five minutes they were bored and uninterested and that is all building resilience you know and you know just laughing obviously. but this, this whole idea that there are things that we can't talk about especially with kids like we have to protect yeah. the kids and uh well, well, what, what are we protecting about it's only it's only a few hundred years ago that uh you know as soon as as soon as kids hit puberty they were getting married off and starting their own families like we changed a lot but we have this like, very strong idea of protecting childhood now and somehow that means we're not allowed to talk to kids about things that are grown up that are adult and it's like well yeah I assume maybe we should because we don't it's not really healthy for any of us to be growing up with this idea that there are things that we're just not allowed to talk about it's like you're yeah. not allowed to say this you're not allowed to talk about this kind of thing or we don't we don't say that or this is really bad it's like you know i'm not saying we should uh, you know, bring, bring up our kids thing is it's uh, okay to just say whatever they want and be hurtful to people and not that but you know within within a, a framework at least to be able to say you know not nothing of say we can you can ask questions you we can discuss stuff um and, and not to say absolutely no can't can't talk about this because i i, I certainly you know as much as uh, I, I know i love my parents very dearly but there were certain conversations that we just wouldn't have had and i think that would be that would be one of them as well you know i, I was unprepared for for death when i first encountered it and, and you know with me it was my grandparents were the, the first people i ever knew who had died and mm -hmm. um actually maybe maybe before that but i was too young too young to really get a handle on it but you know you, you end up being unprepared for it or not really I say not really understanding what it is and someone says oh, it's just like they've gone into another room it's like well i kept popping my head in the other room they're not there <laughs> it's like uh, it, it, those those metaphors or analogies that are kind of creating this fake reality for people or this fake understanding we we all are doing our best to try and understand the world that we live in and so if you're misrepresenting the world to to kids you're not yeah. actually setting them up to be able to live in it no in, it's in just life. sheltering them from things and the thing is in this day and age they're only going to google it and get a very warped version of the truth anyway right. it's better i'd rather <laughs> i'd rather be telling them about the birds and the bees than them coming across some kind of dodgy like porn website or something and that's how they learn about stuff because yeah. they are so um you can do a lot of restriction and stuff with kids but there's so many things they have access to that i don't even understand because it's it's way out of my league and so i think it's i mean that's the way i approach it anyway right you're wrong yeah. just to be completely open with them uh, about everything oh my god some of the questions that they've asked have been hysterical <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. You forget what a different world it is now. Yeah, yeah, it I, I, is totally. But I think it's it's great that we can be really open, but we yeah. have to be open about everything. And that's why talking about, you know, it's okay to laugh at really crap things that happen in your life. If that if that's what you need to do, you do it because it's it's a human reflex anyway to find something funny. Um, every time i go to the pilates class and all the the ladies in there are all farting i can't help but laugh because it's funny and you're like oh, you shouldn't laugh it's terrible but actually it is funny and it's sometimes worse to ignore it because it makes it such a big deal then you just you know it's a fart who cares everybody does <laughs> it's, it's just the thing so, um, there's no problem with no problem with finding it funny yeah so, i mean we, we have we have all these sorts of you know, this this idea of everything having to be within a certain level of propriety and uh, and it, it just doesn't have to be that way we can we can sort of push push the boundaries on that a bit and and have 
think we can have more fun. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's sort of a uh, still if we're still in a Victorian values hangover in in the UK. But uh, you know, don't I don't see it so much now. I live in Spain now, and 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 really a lot of the sort of prim and properness that you still see a lot in the UK just is, isn't here. And uh, people aren't really that, I'm not saying everyone's the same, but I mean, there is some of it in some parts of society. But for for the most part, in my experience here, that that's not, that doesn't really exist. You know, people aren't quite supreme and proper about stuff and, and really just um, quite warm and open. And I think that's really what it leads to is more openness, more connection with people when we're not trying to put on airs and graces, when we're not trying to... Uh, be something we're not by pretending that somebody breaking wind isn't actually quite funny in certain situations, you know. So, yeah. um, so sometimes we should just let rip and <laughs> go with it, which is probably the wrong way to phrase that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but there are there are so many things in life that are funny that you, you didn't just uh, decide to be you know, to, that you were going to take a funnier approach to your own life. You're you're getting up on platforms now and talking about it. Yeah, because I just think it's such an in, there's so many sort of strands to the story, really, which I think I just want people to be able to have the ability to kind of approach life a little bit more like me, but without having to go through the experience. And that's why talking about it is so important. There's so many levels like raising awareness and um, and all that kind of stuff, but also giving people the ability to react in the way that that they would like and there is to a certain extent a choice in how you are going to deal with something um I appreciate we're all completely different and we've all got really different building blocks and foundations of of, of who we are as people but I certainly don't feel like I had a unique childhood in any way in this I just feel like I made my decision that I wasn't going to let cancer stolen so much from me already. I wasn't going to let it take absolutely everything. So my choice was to keep pushing the boundaries all the time. And that was a choice for me. It's not necessarily easy. You could crawl under a duvet, but that's going to get boring after a while. Um, and that's why talking about it and getting up on those platforms and saying to people, you know, it's, it's all the cliches that we hear every single day and we go, oh, what a cliche, but cliches are born out of a, a really wise areas of experience, you know, about, um, you know, making choices that are the best, the best thing for you to have the best life because you are, you only hear the one time and it's, you know, it's what you, you want to do and to be the happiest you can be. And it's not about making a ton of money. It's, you know, it's about the things that you want to enjoy and what you were saying before about people striving always to do better I think I was a bit like that beforehand maybe always thinking well things will be easier and I'll be a little happier when my house is slightly bigger or the car doesn't break down constantly and I've got a nicer car and all this kind of thing but actually when something really crap happens your whole world just kind of becomes extremely small and you really focus on the things that are really important cliche cliche um but it's so true and the most important things are is that you're here you're with the people that you love and you're happy and it's just that straightforward and all the other stuff around the fluff around the outside it can, can be great um but it's not going to make you happier you can only sleep in one bed you can't you know you might live in a 10 bedroom house but you're only going to sleep in one room mm -hmm. like you're only going to eat three meals a day you're only going to drive one car and all this kind of thing um so why push yourself so much 
to have all these fl all this fluff around the outside when actually you need to be happy with what you've got now and then you'll suddenly realize that actually it's quite easy to, to be happy if you just appreciate what, what you've got yeah and and we're we're in an age where that i think that's harder than ever because we we see more of what other people have got more than ever with social media and the likes and you know we're getting other people's lives being directly into into our eyes through our phones and other devices and, and um you know certainly on, on certain sites you now you, you have the the sort of instagram perfect lives uh flashbacks yeah. all the time and and the sort of brings me to the thing that I think really makes people the most unhappy in life is comparison. We spend yeah. so much time comparing ourselves to other people. And I think even when something terrible in life happens, you get a bit of that, there's always a tendency to get a bit of that why me kind of thing and, and compare mm -hmm. yourself to other people. Why not them? You know, why, why is it that terrible things aren't happening to terrible, clearly terrible people? Um, yeah. you know, and, and that's just not how the world works. Some things terrible, sometimes terrible things happen to terrible people. Sometimes terrible things happen to good people and, and vice versa. You know, sometimes great things happen to terrible people and great things happen to good people as well. Karma is bullshit, frankly, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not a real thing but people like to try and convince themselves it is but you know the, yeah. the reality is you can be a terrible person and still have good things in your life and you can be a, a really good and pious and virtuous person and still have terrible things happen in your life it's just not how life works but um i think whether you have a happy life or not is up to you and the one thing I always think of, uh, the one thing I've got that people who are genuinely terrible people don't have is a happy life because they can't yeah. choose that for themselves. They they know what they are, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that that's that's where you win when you realize that you can you can at least choose your own thoughts. You can at least choose um, your your own level of suffering. Stop comparing yourself to other people or wondering why me and not them, and just accept this is the reality. Get you know, take a bit of time if you need to 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 feel sorry for yourself. That's normal. Yeah, have a absolutely. cry, have a scream if you need yeah. to, but please don't stay there. Is that because that? You know, as we've said earlier, that's that you finishing finishing life before it's finished. It's like that there's still there's still good things. There's still uh, so much potential joy out there. And just because you might not be able to see it right now, it doesn't mean it's not there. Stick around. Yeah. You'll, you'll find it. Yeah, completely. People just, you know, I've met people in oncology that won't book holidays that are more than six months ahead just in case they're dead and they don't get to go on them and um, people that won't buy shoes in case they don't get the wear out of them and it's crazy because it, it you know you're writing things off that you can't you can't control it it's about you know yeah the whole why me why not them well yes it's crap and karma is a load of crap I completely agree with that because I feel like I've been a pretty bloody good person in my life and I've still had awful shit happen to me um and I think that you just can't you've got to let go of the things that you cannot control and just focus on the things that you can and it's really that simple I and you will never control the day that you'll die or how that'll happen or whatever um and Therefore, why put so much energy into stressing out about it when you can't do anything about it? And actually, by taking that attitude, you almost give yourself, a, in my situation, give myself a better chance of, of survival because I take the 
an element of the stress out of my life so again i'm better equipped to deal with the with side effects and and things like that so yeah. you know and it's just so much more fun it is so much more fun you know i get that so much so much of the stuff we talked about maybe relates to people's fear of death and you know that's a really big well, fear right i mean it's, yeah. uh, it's a huge thing for people but but when when you do actually think about it you know you, you're not going to be any the worse off for it like when you're dead you're dead you don't you don't know you're dead you're just dead you're gone uh you know you have no no consciousness who knows you know if there's anything afterwards it'll be you know i don't believe there is but you know be a pleasant surprise but um but if there isn't you're not going to know about it anyway and you've already been in that position before you were alive where you were nothing <laughs> where you didn't exist you just you know that i take that sort of philosophical position of you're just really going back to where you were you're going all your energy and atoms will be transformed and splashed back out into the universe and who knows uh, who, who knows what what happens what happens next but you just won't be here to experience it the the life carries on the world carries on what is there really to be afraid of you know the, there's not there's not that much you know okay sometimes we get afraid of suffering but as I said, again a lot of the suffering is what we pile on ourselves with the anticipation of it and so you know it, it's not not subject matter you generally expect people to perhaps be laughing or light about but but why the hell not because um really otherwise we just give doing that Voldemort effect, doing giving more power to to things that we actually maybe should be a bit less afraid to talk about. You know, there, there are cultures who celebrate death, who who party when someone passes who are happy, uh, because it's like, you know, maybe a belief of starting a, a new journey or, or going somewhere better. Is like, well, okay, if that's a great belief, but it does at least show you um, you know, I think uh, a lot of it is, you know, a lot of grief, a lot of the uh, difficulty about this is comes from us you know, missing something or someone or feeling sorry for ourselves that well, we're not going to get to have this or that or more time with this person. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, that, that's all fair enough. But um, you can't, if, if you stay there, that's just going to be miserable. It's just going to be yeah, miserable completely. for as long as you're there. That dark, no way to that live. dark sort of after Ali had gone those those sort of three weeks of what I just call empty space really would I have wanted to live the next five years feeling like that absolutely not I mean it was horrendous I mean I I felt at that time that I just wanted to die really because I just there was nothing even though I had two other kids I couldn't even think about them at the time which is awful I could just think about the baby that I'd had that I couldn't help and and it was awful and no I absolutely wouldn't want to spend the next five years feeling exactly like that I mean the loss of a loss of anyone is difficult the loss of somebody who's in their 90s is still very sad but you think well they had a great life when someone's only lived for eight days it's pretty crap you know, don't they haven't had a, a wonderful life an amazing experience um they, but they have been born and you know they were still here and that grief never goes away you don't get over it it's just something that you make space in your life for and that's all it is yeah. it, it will never leave think about her all the time all the time you know all the time and but it's just something that you you've got to have running alongside your life and it's the same thing with having stage four and you know ca cancer basically it's just something you've got to make a space for but you don't let it completely control every aspect of your life because yeah. i would stay in that that dark period the whole time and i absolutely don't want that yeah. um and you've got that you know we all end up in the in the in the same conclusion don't we like we said before so you've just about making it count 
while you're here and, and and that is it and in whatever way that is like you're saying that some people celebrate when people die I mean for me I think god could I have celebrated my eight my eight day old baby dying no definitely not but the thing is if that works for them and they they probably have a, a massive belief about where they go afterwards and that's why they celebrate um or whatever it's this this great this great thing and that works for them and, and that's in a way, that's amazing because they must take a huge element of this kind of this darkness that we all suffer when we lose somebody out of their lives completely by having that strong belief that this person's going to a better place, or you know, this is an amazing thing that you know they, they've part they've passed over to a different realm or whatever it is they believe. That's great for them. We might think it's a bit strange, but it seems but it works if it works for them that's amazing and that's why everyone has to find that that way of coping it might not be through laughter i'm not sitting here telling you you must develop an amazing sense of humor because this is the only thing that's going to get you through it might not it could be something else you just have to think about what you want to do in that time you've still got your life you are still here there are still people that love you or you know you're an integral part of somebody's life somewhere along the line and what do you want to do about that and how do you want to make it so that you can that you can cope and every day things do get that little bit easier and yeah it. yeah yeah i know i know i can relate to a time in my life where you know i didn't particularly care where, where whether or not I, I woke up next day and things like that and uh and, and i know that the only thing that really got me through that was starting to use a practice of gratitude starting to find thank things to be thankful for and appreciate in my life and and that practice has really only grown in, in my life uh, and really does uh, especially with my my sort of deep dives into stoic philosophy and the likes i really do take time to uh, to think about what my life would be like without the good things and good people in it and to, to really sort of process that and just sort of say okay, i don't know you know hopefully you still have lots of time with all that people uh, care about but everything everything is temporary and i should at least be prepared for that and what i find is that it really makes me appreciate those people and those things much more in my life now than i ever did i i don't take i hope i don't take people or things for granted in my life uh, and i think that's that's always a, a danger that we we should never really take things or people in our lives for granted. Take the time to appreciate them. Take that time to to tell people of them. Remember, there's always going to be, no matter how bad things get, there's, there's always going to be, the sun will still come up tomorrow. There's always going to be something on the other side of it. And there will be still be things worth sticking around for, even if you don't see it right now. I think that's an uh, yeah. important thing. And if laughter is a tool that helps you get through all these difficult times, don't worry about what other people are thinking of you. Laugh, have, have fun and, and get through it. Um, find the things that are going to help you get to a, get to a happier place in life. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. It's been a real delight speaking to you today, Heidi, and we're going to we're going to wrap things up there. It's been it's been a, an interesting hour, and your story is incredible. And I hope it's been uh, something that has has resonated for people, and that there are some lessons to take away from this chat. And it's going to be certainly going to be up there online, but. Uh, I definitely wish you continued success in your in your speaking and in entertaining people and and helping people also to deal with the crap that life throws at you with by employing laughter as a as a form of funny funny therapy. And uh, thank you for everything that you've shared with us today. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for having me on. It's been brilliant. I've loved talking to you, and I hope it, yeah it does reach even just one person and makes them think. That's the main thing. So that's yeah. amazing. Thank you. Absolutely, that's what it's for. Thank you, Heidi.
Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please remember to like and subscribe and leave us a review. Join us next time where I'll be speaking with coach James Kilgariff. We're going to be talking about dealing with uncertainty in life. Lots of episodes coming up as we launch the show. It's really going to help us to grow super fast if you can share the show with your friends as well. So share the links, get them subscribed to the show. Together we can help people all over the world create points of change.